3: Welcome to No Nonsense, the Tennessee Titans podcast, your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that's 100% free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. We would love for you to follow us on social media. We are at No Nonsense Pod on both Twitter and Facebook. We would also love for you to subscribe to the show on whatever platform you're using to listen, and if you're listening on iTunes, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and review a few housekeeping matters before we get started. We've still got a contest going on on Twitter to win a $25 gift card to NFLShop.com. All you have to do to enter to win that is retweet the tweet that's pinned to the top of our Twitter page, again, at Pod, and follow us on Twitter. You'll be entered to win that. I, I lied, there's really only one housekeeping matter. I think we're good to go ahead and hop into the episode. We got a big one because it's week one. We get real football this week. That counts. As, as Will mentioned a minute ago, the, the, the starters will play the entire game for the Titans, something we have not seen from them yet. Uh, and to uh, ring in the new season, we've got a, a couple of guests on with us today. Eric Backrack, the Titans beat writer, from the Tennessean will join us in a little bit to talk about the Titans versus the Browns week one matchup and then after that uh, we will play an interview that I had with rookie receiver AJ Brown from after Monday's practice where we talked about him playing his first NFL game we talked about his body composition and how he and DK Metcalf sort of sort of worked through that and, and some other interesting topics as well. Let's hop right in, guys, and, and sort of quickly recap what happened over Labor Day weekend when, when teams trimmed their rosters down. The big news for the Titans, obviously, the Taewon Taylor trade. Uh, Matias, I'll just let you kind of lead into that and, and give us your general thoughts as we open this up.
2: I I wasn't surprised. I don't think anyone was really surprised. The writing was kind of on the this preseason, and, and probably before that, just them drafting A.J. Brown going out and getting Adam Humphreys, they were not sufficiently happy with, with the play of Taewon Taylor and maybe to some extent Tajay Sharp also. So so I'm not surprised that the Taewon is gone and and, uh, especially in the preseason, he just had a really, really rough go of it just seemed to have lost all confidence in, in his ability to even catch the ball, which is as we know, very important for a receiver. So, it wasn't surprising. I wish we could have gotten a little bit more. Uh, I don't know if maybe we should have showcased him a little bit more in preseason, but I'm not sure if that even would have would have improved his uh, trade value. He might have even made it even worse. So I guess getting something back is fine. And you know, I, I'm I'm kind of I'm not glad that he's that he's gone. I, I don't wish that on anyone, but I'm glad that Khalif Raymond is actually on the team because he thoroughly outplayed Taywan for the entire preseason.
0: Yeah, I mean, it. it, it You're right. It does feel like the writing has been on the wall for a little bit now. He kind of felt like the odd guy out. As soon as they promoted to Tajay as like the guy to step in for AJ Brown when he was trying to recover, because it, it wasn't like it was a like timeshare. It was just straight Tajay. And then it, you know he was just kind of stuck on the second team for the whole preseason. And every time he went out there to play, it would be you know one step forward, two steps back, and it just. It just seemed like it wasn't going to work out in Tennessee, so I'm glad he gets a chance somewhere else. I'm glad the Titans got a pick for him instead of just having to outright cut him. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I hope he you know has a really good season starting week two.
3: I think <laughs> this move from the Titans, and as I've I've thought a lot about this today as to to what I would say because I didn't actually write about this trade specifically, and and I just think that it was probably proactive on the Titans' part. Because the relationship between the Titans and Taewon Taylor, not in terms of like off-the-field stuff, but in terms of, of on-the-field stuff, it was not in a good place. It wasn't quite to the point of being toxic. Like if you want to compare a relationship, like a dating relationship, it wasn't you know to the point of domestic abuse or anything like that. But I think it was maybe kind of heading in that direction. Like they were starting to see the early signs of, you know, this is just two people who aren't meant for each other at all. And so they got out of it while things weren't terrible. They got some compensation out of it, as you mentioned, Will. And, you know, people say fresh start. I don't really buy into that all that much unless you're Eric Ebron and your fresh start is just with anyone other than the Detroit Lions. Um, but, But I think, you know, this was just a relationship that mutually needed to be moved on from taewon taylor was not benefiting the titans to the level that he might be able to benefit another team and the same vice versa
2: yeah i, I hate to make the the parallel compare to to kendall wright who who was also a receiver at war number 13 uh, but it really did feel like those last couple of seasons with tennessee with kendall wright where it was just a very incompatible relationship in there was a clear need for for I don't know a fresh fresh star for both both the player and the team. so it kind of felt like that I I, I still believe in Taywan I, I think he's a talented guy I I just don't know if it's ever going to come together for him uh, but it might I hope so he's always been pretty nice uh, a consummate professional I'd say I don't think I've never actually heard him complain or, or read anything about him complaining. About anything but he really didn't have any right to complain considering his play on the field really but yeah I, I agree it just didn't seem like a compatible relationship at this point and when it's something like that I, I think it's just better to move on and I kind of I kind of commend John Robinson for cutting his losses just admitting that he, that he made a bad pick and, and then just just moving on with it
0: yeah I mean and it's not it's not a talent thing. it's not an athleticism thing. we like we said, it's all that's all there. It's just for whatever reason, whether it was you know, all the different offenses he had to try to learn or just not ever having a really good chemistry with Marcus Mariota. I just I don't I don't know what the right answer is. I don't know how you fix it exactly. I just know it wasn't working in Tennessee and it's just better for everybody if they go.
3: and two more things on taiwan. one, I think something needs to be cleared up. I saw a lot of fans on Twitter over the weekend making the comment that, taewon struggled to learn the playbook that's just not true like he did not struggle to pick up offensive concepts and that is why we're here right now that was a doriel green beckham issue a couple of years ago but taewon's problem was more in terms of like once the ball was snapped he was doing bad things his technique was not great He, he struggled to track deep balls in air, which is problematic for a, a quote-unquote deep threat. And like the play in the first preseason game where he caught the ball out of bounds when he had a bunch of space around him, just things like that that are head-scratchers with Taewon Taylor, not that he didn't you know pick up the playbook. And the, the second thing, it, it, we discussed this before the show, the three of us have an interesting story in terms of our podcasting career with Taewon Taylor. Uh, we're going to try to tell that story as best we can. So this was, I believe, right after Malarkey got fired, correct?
2: Yes. Yes.
3: And and so a, uh, a PR person from Panini, I think, Panini. The, tr- the trading was, yeah. card company, reached yep. out to and us, maker. asked, basically they said, we'll give you 15 minutes with Taewon on your podcast if you promote Whatever he was selling for panini, like sounds good to us. So, so uh, we're set up for for Taiwan. We've got the pitch we're going to give for panini, and then I go to call the the PR person uh, from our platform to get her into the call, and then turn Taiwan into the call. But I accidentally called from instinct my own cell phone. And Will, <laughs> you and you can kind of pick this up here. You tried to tell me what was coming, but I didn't believe you
0: yeah so uh you never hung up like that call so it was
3: well, i did i hung up because it, it said uh you know you've reached luke Worsham's voicemail please leave a message i'm like oh crap so i hit a button it, it but all i did was remove it from the skype call yeah. i did not rem- like hang up
0: yeah so like i and and it very clearly—I don't remember if there was some kind of audio cue I heard or what—but I was like, "I don't think you hung up the phone," and you're like, "Yeah, I hung it up." And I was like, "Okay, you didn't like as far as I know, but like, okay, let's keep going." And then, uh, do you want me to finish the story?
3: Uh, get it to the point where uh, where the mishaps start happening.
0: Okay, so you know we we talk about it, and I'm like, okay. And so, like, then we're calling Taiwan, and we talk to the representative, and they get us to him. And we, you know, we go through the niceties, and we're, you know, we're talking pleasantries. We're like, you know, how are you? You know, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, I'm glad you could do this. You know, I know the off season's hard. And then uh, I think it was maybe our first question, uh, and then uh, Luke can finish the rest of what happened.
3: Yeah. So the question that
0: I just remembered. <laughs>
3: We were the first media outlet platform to talk to a Titans player on the record after Mike Malarkey got fired. Right. Because there was like a week where I was looking for stuff to come out, and nothing did. So we had this Taywan interview, and and, and fans are wanting a reaction from the locker room. So I asked him this question about Malarkey leaving and, and, and being fired and parting ways. And he starts to give this really good answer and Taewon's sometimes a hard guy to to get to to get in depth with things he tends to give a lot of coach speak but he was really getting into malarkey and right as he started his answer just very loudly <laughs> you have run out of time with this message that you were trying to leave on the-. and and when it happened once Taewon paused like he was confused obviously then he kept going every like 20 seconds, it do that again.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because it it did the thing where it says, you know, if you want to delete this message, or if you want to retry this message, press this button. If you want to end, hang up the call. And it would say that like every 20 seconds. And he said, uh, the second time he said, "Uh, what? Because he thought we were interrupted in mid-sentence, and we didn't say anything. Uh, so there's just, it this was like, so awkward, man. There's this, was this so funny uncomfortable. female voice just like talking and like giving us commands in the background. And eventually it was like, he, can't talk bye. Bye. he was pretty yeah, good. About yeah, it. After, after this first time, I think he just powered over and like tr- truly the most professional thing I've ever, I've ever been around somebody doing a podcast. Like, I mean, it was like, there was somebody he didn't, because he was also at a place where it was like, not loud necessarily, but it, they were like. It wasn't just him I sitting alone he, by he was himself. Out,
3: he like just signed autographs or something and was yeah. standing outside of a football field.
0: Yeah, so it's not like he was like isolated and like, like we got to him like talking to him in his office or anything like that. Like he had just done something, he jumped on the phone and just jumped right in. So, I mean, like I said it was very professional and he did a great job with that, but it was and, totally our fault and, and it was
3: somewhere uh, the audio from this exists because I obviously edited this out of the podcast. But I have the raw audio somewhere. It's just a matter of finding it. And the funniest part was is because my phone was still on, on the chat, I still, until recently when I cleared my voicemails, I had a message on my phone of this whole ordeal. Like, like you know, you check your voicemail. Like, all of this was on my voicemail. But the, the best part, and credit to Taiwan, was at the end of the interview – I asked him if he would repeat his answer to that first question, where the, the lady started interrupting and he did, and it was it was great, I, uh, I, I think we all three appreciated that. Also this weekend, the Houston Texans went to town on the trade market.
2: Yeah, so Bill O'Brien just decided, I probably have one year left, there's no one above me that's going to say anything if I do crazy things. And I'm just going to go out guns blazing, and that's exactly what he did. Whether it works out or not, I don't know. It's probably not going to, but I don't know. I just That is such a weird organization, and they've been doing weird things for a really long time. And I think the weirdest one of all is putting Bill O'Brien, who, I mean, he's had good teams. He's won a lot of games, but I'm not sure how much of that is actually due to him. And giving him all this power, especially, I don't know, man, his personality doesn't really gel with that of of someone who should be in a position like a GM. You kind of remind me of I, I, whoever watches basketball, Tom Thibodeau, who used to be the Bulls head coach, and then he went to Minnesota, and they started giving him a bunch of power, and it just hasn't worked out at all. Uh, and that's kind of what I've seen. But, yeah, when you, when you compare the trades that Bill O'Brien, acting GM, made, over the weekend, it it looks it looks bad. He has really mortgaged the future uh, for these next couple of years, and I don't know if he got even close to enough in return to to justify what he gave up.
0: Uh, okay, so Bill O'Brien is uh, first off. I am now a huge Bill O'Brien fan. He's done more to hurt the Texans franchise than anybody I can remember. Um, so. Oh, yeah, he's he's like he's just – I shouldn't say he's bad at football. That's not it. He's just a schemer. Like, so what he did is he got his general manager fired after a year um, after the draft. So uh, they drafted two offensive tackles. Neither one of them look like they're ready to play, but they're going to have to put somebody at right tackle it looks like. So that's already a bad situation. Um, but they uh, they were going to start – uh, Matt Khalil at left tackle and he's known for being the worst offensive tackle in the NFL I think uh, easy easily yeah it, it definitely per square dollar and he like, keeps getting jobs that's yeah, what I remember yeah like he keeps getting money to be bad and it's so much so that uh, Cameron Jordan was campaigning for him to stay uh, in the NFC South and if you don't know who Cameron Jordan is he's a defensive end for the Saints who would routinely beat him and sack Cam, uh, Cam Newton habitually so um, that, was, that was what they were facing. And so um, that, that's kind of the background that you need to know when you think about this. So there's no general manager in charge, and they have a bad left tackle. So Bill O'Brien, with this new unprecedented power for a head coach that's not Bill Belichick, says, okay, you know what would kill two birds with one stone? Is if I throw every future pick that the Miami Dolphins want at them, and I say, you give me Tunsil back. We'll have a left tackle, and that'll be great. There'll be no picks, so no general manager will want to come near my team, and I'll continue to have unprecedented power. What he didn't understand is that an offensive line is five people and not one. So now he's got 80% of the worst line in football instead of 100% of the worst line in football. Um, so even if he not, even if, let's say, the difference in Tunsil and Khalil is 10 sacks, that means that, Deshaun Watson still going to get sacked over 50 times. And, I mean, that's, that's, we'll probably be bottom three in the NFL at best, maybe bottom in the NFL at worst. So, I mean, if, if your goal is to go from 32nd to 29th and sacks allowed, more power, you t- I mean, that's, that's the guy you want. Bill yeah, O'Brien's, and I, your-
3: and I agree with everything you're saying, of course. And the interesting thing about this is, if you just look at it like from the players they acquired, it's like, you know, you tell a Texans fan, you know, your team made some trades this weekend. It's like, well, who'd we get? Well, you got Kenny Stills, pretty good wide receiver, downfield threat. Right? Mm-hmm. You got Laramie Tunsell, franchise left tackle, gonna lock him up to long term deal. All right, anything else? Well, yeah, you got a new starting running back in Carlos Hyde, pretty good player. Oh yeah, what'd we give up? Everything.
0: Literally yeah. everything. Uh, oh, and yeah, and, and you then you're not lost, so happy just,
3: about that anymore.
0: Yeah, you also lost Jadavian Clowney, by the way, for nothing.
3: Yeah, for a third round draft, <laughs> draft pick.
0: Yeah. Um, also, yeah, they, they got Barkevius Mingo, though. Uh,
2: I think you guys overlooked that. To, yeah, I forgot. you know.
3: To, to be fair, though, the the Clowney thing is actually smart on the Texans' part. Because so many teams are lazy, and they just let their free agents hit free agency. You have the franchise tag. Franchise them and trade them. Get a third-round pick out of, out of it if you're not going to re-sign the guy. So, I mean, at least that's something.
0: Um, no. Uh, so, if <laughs> if they did that, what they should have done is... Uh, just traded him when they had him under franchise tag in the summer and not let it drag out to where he had all the leverage and got to pick where he wanted to go. Well,
3: I mean, if you want to be factual, yes. Yeah.
0: I was going to say, like, let's not be fair to them and, like, make it sound like they're, you know, doing the right thing. They did a terrible job. Not only did they trade him, they traded him and ate half of his salary to get him to go over there. And... The whole reason that he's not a Texan right now Isn't anything to do with him He wanted to sign a long-term deal But the Texans who have $100 million in cap space uh, Next year Decided that they didn't want to pay him An extra $3 million per year And they were just going to keep rolling the dice On J.J. Watt Who's had back surgery and leg problems And is over 30 years old They just decided to keep rolling the dice with him For the next, I guess, decade So, I mean it's perfectly – there's a world where they have Javion Clowney and Laramie Tunsell this, after this weekend, and they look like a much better team. But they, now they're they, old. They,
3: they, they're setting themselves up for salary cap purgatory with like, the amount of deals they're going to have to get done. Because Tunsell has all the leverage on his deal, mm-hmm. and you know, you've know got to pay DeAndre Hopkins. You're about to have to pay Deshaun Watson. J.J. Watt makes a lot of money. It just – I don't and you can You, you can't
2: know what's hilarious? Attention. They just got out of salary after yeah. the Brock Housewife thing, and yeah. now they're going straight back into it. Yeah, yeah
3: and and you know, I kind of joke around about how I don't like Bill O'Brien, and and I call him a fraud, and have for years on our old podcast. But he, he's just what has he done? You know, I keep hearing offensive genius. Right. And and this guy has gotten curb stomped in the first round of the playoffs twice. <laughs> Deshaun Watson and his YOLO bombs have, have kept his head coaching career alive for the last two years. He's got DeAndre Hopkins, who has kept his head coaching career alive for the last two or three years. He's, just, he's a fraud.
0: Yeah. if uh, If referees would call offensive pass interference on DeAndre Hopkins – uh, Bill LeBron would have been fired two years ago.
3: I don't think that's yep. unreasonable.
2: Do you guys I mean, not remember, though, when uh, he was the coach at Penn State and Christian Hackenberg looked kind of good? I don't know, man. That, <laughs> that's
0: genius <laughs> stuff you, to you, me. You, you, do, you do have me there. He is the guy <laughs> who made Christian Hackenberg look the best.
3: <laughs> All right, now we're going to be joined by a uh, Titans beat writer for the Tennessean. He has the esteemed job that has in the past been held by Jim Wyatt and by Paul Kuharski. He is Eric Backrack. You can follow him on Twitter at Eric Backrack. So the, the, the first thing that, that I want to talk to you about is something that I think may Titans fans, I don't think, understand just how strange and just how maybe unequipped this offensive line is. And I think it's more than just what we saw from them in the in the Pittsburgh game because yeah, you know, Saffold had the issue, whatever. But at left tackle you've got Dennis Kelly for four games because of Lawan's suspension. And then at right guard you've got kind of this carousel, and I know Vrabel has committed to Palm Field, but it was never really a convincing commitment. It was almost as if he said, Yeah, it's Palm Field four now. What do you think about this offensive line situation?
4: Yeah, you know what, Luke, that was actually my my big takeaway from the whole, um, you know, I I guess deciding on Kevin Pomfiel as as the right guard one, uh, at least on the depth chart, was just that um, Grable didn't exactly give a ringing endorsement um, of Palm he, he you know he said some encouraging things about him, but this was a competition to be won, and it kind of just feels like Palm was the guy that was uh, hadn't hadn't really uh, I, I guess lost the job. Um, you know, Nate Davis had a chance to, to come in and show um, something this off season uh, during during training camp during the preseason, and obviously he wasn't able to do that fully just because um, his body didn't allow him to. He was he was out with that undisclosed injury. Uh, and and feel, um, you know, is a guy that uh, is, is not a top tier or second tier or third or fourth tier right guard when you when you stack him up, um, you know, uh, against his peers as far as starters uh, in, in the league. Um, so I, you know, I, I just think I'm not uh, anywhere near sold on that position to begin with. You know, I, I really thought the um, the best combination combination of or just assemblage of of linemen might have been that that one with uh, Ben Jones at right guard and Corey Levin at, at, at center, at starting center. Uh, and obviously that goes out the window with the uh, news that Corey Levin uh, is, uh, or, or waves from the team, and he's now in Denver. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm unconvinced there. You know, I, I think that the Taylor Lawan thing, I, I think that's the single biggest thing, the single biggest storyline working against this team right now uh and, and obviously that's you know kind of obvious but i, I just I, I don't think it could be stupid enough how significant a loss that is for a line that um you know has shown this preseason preseason to be a little bit inconsistent that is coming off a year that um you know it was, it was totally inconsistent allowing marcus Mariota to be sacked up career high 42 times um you know i, I just think there's a lot of red flags there especially um you know, especially these first four games, but especially uh, this season opener against the Browns, against a, a front four that last year combined for thirty point five sacks. You got Miles Garrett, you got a couple of all season additions, in Sheldon Richardson, uh, Olivier Vernon. Um, th- there's just a lot of red flags and, and, and trouble looming there, and I, you know, I think that's the biggest storyline in this game is. The Titans' offensive line against uh, the Browns' defensive front, and uh, you know if they're able to hold up, I think the Titans have a good chance. If not, um, I think they might be in trouble.
2: Hey, Eric, uh, this is Matthias. Uh, I, I was going to go with uh, what do you think is the most worrisome uh, part of the Titans going into the season, but I think you kind of, kind of already nailed it with the offensive line. So I'm, I'm gonna focus more uh-huh. on the positive side. And maybe, you know, after three nine, and 9-7 seasons in a row, I think the Titans have built up a good amount of hype within the fan base. What do you think going into the season, a potential four season in a row, going 9-7 and seven or better, what do you think is the biggest thing to look forward to? Or what do you think Titans fans should be most excited about going into the season?
4: You know, I, I do think there's, there's a lot of things to look forward to offensively. Obviously, this is an offense now that looks like it, it could be run 11 personnel a little bit more. You've got the wide receivers to, to do it. Um, you know, when you bring in guys like Adam Humphries, A.J. Brown, um, you know, I just think they're, they're more equipped to, to do better passing, uh, and it, it's not like they could do much worse this year than they were last year. You know, they were 29th in the league uh, as a passing offense last year. So you could really only go up in that regard, and I think they've done a good job this offseason of, of sort of putting themselves in a position to do that. Uh, and that, that's more exciting, uh, you know, I think for the fans. Uh, plus, you've got Derrick Henry obviously coming off, uh, you know, that unbelievable December. Uh, is, is he able to, um, you know, continue sort of just that trend, you know, not not necessarily of, of running 100 for 130 yards per game, but, you know, if he could give you 80, 70, 80, 90 yards a, a game, uh, you know, at five yards a clip. Uh, you know, I think that goes a really, really long way in sort of just making this offense. Um, so I think there are a lot of, a lot of encouraging things on offense. Obviously, again, you know, I, I think that the success is sort of predicated on the offensive line success. Um, and, and then defensively that there's a lot to like, you know, I think, um, you know, the secondary is, is one of the strongest units in the league. And, uh, to me, you know, I, I think there is reason for cautious optimism with the pass rush, um, just because, you know, last year, uh, you know, you, you lose Brian Aragbo and Derek Morgan to retirement. But but last year, those guys, they just didn't have a whole lot in the tank at that point. Uh, the last years of their career, um, you know, so you, you play those starting roles with Harold Landry, who, um, you know, is, is poised to, to really um, come into his own this year if, if he's up for the task. You know, he had 4.5 sacks a year ago. If you're the Titans, you're really looking for him to crack double digits to become that game changing force and if he does that um I think this you know offense you know to borrow from Mike Grable I think this offense goes from good to great if you get that pass rush um you know up to a level that uh it, it's it's really disruptive because I think the secondary is the best one of the best units in the league i think the defensive front um you know, led by Gerald Casey, and, and at some point this season, you would imagine you have Jeffrey Simmons. I think that could be a strength. Uh, the inside linebacking core is is really strong. Uh, you know, you got three starting caliber players there. So I really think if Harold Landry can um, develop into, you know, this game-changing, uh, you know, top-tier outside linebacker, uh, and, and Cameron Wake, you know, proves to have a good deal of tread on his tires at 37 years old. You know, I think that goes such a long way um, in really transforming this defense.
0: Hey, uh, it's Will. So I I don't want to use the term trap game or anything like that so early in the season, and especially not with a team that I think will go to the playoffs like the Titans, but it just feels like there's such a big dream team vibe behind Cleveland, and that's really where the Titans thrive is knocking off, you know, the Dallas Cowboys on Monday night football and the new England Patriots after everybody tells them they're going to lose and the Philadelphia Eagles when Carson Wentz is back, you know, it's just where Mike Vrabel's Titans have thrived. And does it feel to you like just the perfect storm for like that culture clash to happen where the story we'll hear is, you know, the blue collar Titans went into Cleveland and won a game that they shouldn't have when really it's just that the Titans always play up to good competition and they always prepare better.
4: Honestly, I you know I I really agree with that. You know, I think um you know my, my expectation is that the Titans uh will probably play a good game but lose a close one, but but um I can obviously see it going a different way. You know, there was no way to sort of predict the way that they would handle the, the Patriots last year, um you know, the Eagles game we we thought was going to be tough and and then you know the second half that they have in Dallas, uh, all of those situations looked on paper to be unfavorable to the Titans. Yet there they were, you know, taking care of business. I think all of this hype, um, all of this spotlight on the brand, absolutely um, plays right into the Titans' hands. You know, this is this is the type of situation they've they've kind of, you know, been known to take advantage of. Um, you know, just while everybody's looking at at one team, they're off doing something else. Um, you know, I, I think Mike Crable is going to have. A really smart game plan um, in store, uh, especially again for sort of managing the offensive line and, and uh, Cleveland's defensive front. You know, I think there's a lot of things stacked against the Titans, but again, I you know I think that's something that they've somehow managed to turn into their favor uh, in recent years, especially you know last year, just playing up to the competition um, and surprising a lot of people. And, and this game certainly sort of fits uh, all of those bullet points.
3: I'll stay on the theme for me of kind of question marks for the Titans. I'm curious about your perspective on the edge pass rushers because as you alluded to earlier, there's no more Brian Arakpo, there's no more Derrick Morgan. And yeah, Arakpo and Morgan were great for the Titans at, at points in their career, but your starting edge rushers combining for two sacks, which was the case last year, just can't happen if you want to compete as an NFL team. So it would be hard for, really any combination they put out there to be that bad production-wise or worse this year. But So that's not really the question. But the question is, can this combo of Harold Landry, Sharif Finch, and Cameron Wake get it done to a point where that isn't a weakness and where the Titans can count on a third down getting pressure without having to resort to the exotic or, or the weird when it comes to blitzing?
4: I think it can. And again, I think it goes, goes back to Harold Landry, who, you know, I've been saying this entire offseason is the most important player uh, on that Titans defense. Uh, you know, the, the success of that group obviously begins with the top guy. Um, but, but like you mentioned, this was an area last year that the Titans just weren't great. So um, again, as, as you kind of just said, there's, there's not a whole lot of, um, you know, they can't really take a step back in that regard. And, and, you know, if Howard Landry is able to crack double-digit sacks and, and just be really disruptive back there, I think that sort of um, trickles down because I think Cameron Wake's floor um, is high as far as his, his floor is high and also, you know, his ceiling is low. There's, um, you know, you, you could pretty much ex- know what to expect out of Cameron Wake, a 37-year-old guy who um, is just a consummate pro. Um, then again, he is 37 and, you um, you know, so his potential, uh, as far as what he's going to do for the Titans this year, isn't off the charts. You know, there's there's a finite amount of stuff that he can do. So, um, you know, I think he's pretty safe as far as what to expect. I think Landry is more of more of a question. And then, you know, as is everybody else um, in that outside linebacker core. I think Sheree Finch is another guy, another guy heading into a second year who needs to have a big second year. Um, you know, I think he's he's a really strong rotational player for them at that position, uh, but can he emerge into, you know, not not what everyone hopes Howard Landry will, but, you know, into a really solid um, pro. Uh, and I think we saw some glimpses last year, and we've seen encouraging signs uh, this training camp this preseason, that point toward that happening. Uh, and then you look at the depth, you know, I think they did a really good job uh, of bringing in Reggie Gilbert, just, just as a guy that, um, you know, as outside linebackers coach, Shane Bowen said, could be dependable, or, or, or at least that's his hope. Um, because that's really what you're looking for out of those depth pieces, guys like him and, and Kamala Correa. Uh, you know, because I, I, I was really worried about sort of the outside linebacking and pass rushing situation for the Titans after DeAndre Walker, their fifth-round pick, went, went on injured reserve um, in early August, just because the depth behind Finch and Correa uh, was, was really, really limited. Um, you know, we were all kind of waiting for Derek Roberson. To, to emerge um, in training camp for the preseason, showing something more than he did. And he never really did. Uh, it, it's good that they've they've got him on the practice squad to continue to develop him. But, you know, the, the depth at that position was a bit frightening if you're a Titans fan. So I think they did a good job with bringing in Gilbert. Uh, but again, you know, I, I just think um, if Harold Landry can have a really impactful, game changing season, uh, I, I just think this this defense does go from good to great.
2: You talked a little bit earlier about the Browns defensive line going up against a weakened Titans offensive line, and this very well could might be your answer for this question, but what do you think is the biggest advantage that, that the Browns have over the Titans, and also what do you think is the biggest advantage that the Titans have over the Browns?
4: Yeah, you know, I think um, that, that's definitely the advantage they have. I, I think if, if the Titans can you know, not stop the, the Browns' defensive line, but at least limit them. I think they'll be in good shape. Um, I think that's definitely the thing that they've got over the Titans. If you're the Titans, that you know, I think you're really glad, and I think everybody's sort of interested to just see how that secondary um, fares against you know a stacked receiving core. Uh, you know, with Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry, it's a really exciting offense. Uh, and now they've got Taylor and Taylor, so. Um, you know, that that could be uh, a storyline that presents itself this week. If if that happens, we'll, we'll see. Um, so I'm interested to see that, um, you know, probably as far as what they have, the, the best sort of facets that they have over the Browns. Um, it, it, it would have to be something defensively uh, just because, uh, you know, that's the strength of this team. So I probably would go with the secondary um, because it's a unit that is familiar with each other you know you've got Kevin Byard uh who has made the the richest uh safety in NFL history this uh this past offseason you know partnering with Kenny Vaccaro and the just that entire unit with Logan but Logan Ryan, Malcolm Butler, Adoree Jackson we we saw it all training camp just sort of how um how that chemistry uh is important and and just how good it is um you know I can remember Several days where they were just out there celebrating after every pass breakup during uh, red zone drills, Uh, you know, out there dancing, throwing water on each other. It it was just uh, it was kind of, you know, a funny scene to see that. And it kind of speaks to um, just how comfortable they are with each other. And that goes a really long way as far as, um, you know, calling things pre-snap, recognizing what somebody else is doing during the play. I just think that that unit um, talent wise is, is up there far as tops in the league and then you, you throw in the fact that um they're really a cohesive unit i, I just think that's um you know a really uh, important part of their defense the strongest part um and gives them a good chance against uh you know it's a really exciting Browns offense
0: so kind of talking more on that it's the first year with uh freddie kitchens as the head coach it's the first time that baker mayfield and odell are playing together and Baker and Odell have uh, played—Odell's none at all, and Baker has played two quarters of preseason football and not looked good. I mean, is there any chance they come out and there's just no rhythm to that offense? Because to me, that would be a major concern if we hadn't seen the Titans run, especially when what's supposed to be a huge part of their offense, like Odell Beckham, hasn't really taken any live snaps with the starting quarterback.
4: You know, I, I think it could be, um, you know, Baker's still, he's a young quarterback. Um, you know, you would think that the more reps he could get, the better. Um, so, so we'll see if that, that comes to fruition. I know, you know, even guys in the, the Titans locker room, the first team offense was asked, um, you know, I, I think they played a total of seven series in the preseason. If, if that was enough, did they look comfortable? You know, Adam Humphries was asked that and, and he said, yeah, you um, you know, so it's it's uh, it'll be interesting to see just how that plays out. Uh, you know, I, I never really like to, to look too much into the preseason, but for a young team and, and the team that, um, you know, has made a lot of off-season adjustments, I think it could be a factor. They might be a little slow out of the gate. Um, but then again, you know, I just think at a certain point, um, you know, that these guys have spent a lot of time with each other this off-season. And as far as talent, both of those guys – uh mayfield and and beckham jr are just you know obviously two of the top guys at their position so um we'll see uh you know i i personally probably wouldn't read too much into into preseason for them
3: eric thanks so much for the time we uh we really appreciate it before you go let us know what you're working on uh story-wise for the rest of the week
4: yeah absolutely uh that's a good question because I've got a lot of things going on as far as um, stories. I'll probably do something on uh, Arthur Smith, um, you know, entering his first year as offensive coordinator for the Titans. Um, it'll be really sort of interesting to see uh, his offense because he's, he's a guy that sort of uh, the last remaining vestige of, um, you know, so many past regimes here having been on staff since 2011. Uh, so he's a guy that's, that's kind of just a fascinating um profile in itself you know the guy uh is kind of soft-spoken when you when you get one-on-one then again we, we saw him out there cursing uh, aj brown uh on his first day and after he was injured so uh he's an interesting guy with an interesting backstory and he's in an interesting situation um going into his first year uh, uh as offensive coordinator for the titans so working on that working on uh you know a few other stories in the lead up to um you know this this really big game for the titans and kind of just uh you know highlighting how how big it is uh sort of on the national scale and um you know as as we alluded to early just the fact that the browns are getting all the hype uh and the titans wouldn't have it any other way
3: again we appreciate the time as always thanks for joining us
4: thanks guys appreciate it
3: all right we really appreciate eric joining us and again you can follow him on twitter at eric backrack Let's hop into previewing this Cleveland Browns versus Titans game. I think probably the biggest advantage that the Browns have in this game <clears throat> is their weaponry on offense. You've got Nick Chubb at running back, someone who is really strong as a rookie. You've got the two LSU guys in Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry at receiver. Baker Mayfield, a very efficient, very effective quarterback, was really good as a rookie they've just got a lot of kind of toys to play with on the offensive side of the ball. And it'll be tough for the Titans defense to deal with them.
2: Yeah. I, you know, I've all off season. We've heard a lot about the Cleveland Browns being, you know, the sleeper team. They're going to take the next step. And I really wasn't buying it, but, but now that I'm kind of going through their entire roster, it's, it's pretty good. And, surprised if this is a really tough game for the titans like you said they do have a lot of weapons on offense nick chubb looked fantastic last year as a rookie especially in comparison to carlos hyde who just looked so slow chubb came in looked like a totally you know like like a top-end talent uh, which i wasn't sure he'd be after that injury in college but he he's really impressive and like you said, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, and then Rashard Higgins in the slot not in the slot uh, on the on the boundary. Uh, he's an underrated underrated guy who was had really good chemistry with Baker Mayfield last year. And then you also add in David Njoku, who's just an athletic specimen and, and one of the best tight end prospects uh, of the last couple of years. So it's going to be a lot for the Titans to deal with uh, the good. The thing that, that gives me a little bit of pause about the Browns offensive explosion is their offensive line, which is legitimately bad, I think. I mean, Betonio and and J.C. Treader are, are good offensive linemen. They're fine, but the rest are are not good. Greg Robinson, I mean, they just they just cut him for for like a salary cap move or something like that, so that they didn't have to guarantee his contract, I believe. And it's comfortable cutting your left tackle, and that no one's gonna scoop him up. While well, he's a free agent, I, I think that kind of speaks. It
3: sends a pretty strong message.
2: Yeah, yeah. It kind of speaks volumes to how you how you truly feel about him. And, and then the rest of their line, I, I can't even name you the other two starters. Is it Corbett, who has been terrible? They ha- did you uh, you mention Betonio,
3: matter. right?
2: Yeah, yeah. Betonio is good. Betonio and Treader are good. But the other three are are yeah. probably below replacement level. So I, I don't know.
4: And Treader's
0: I, okay. Like, it's not like he's, like... Any yeah, yeah he's, not, he's not a like, star. He's just a league average or so starter. So, they've got Greg Robinson at left tackle. This is according to our lads. Greg Robinson at left tackle. Joe Petonio at left guard. J.C. Trader at center. Then Eric Cush at right guard. And Chris Hubbard at right tackle. They brought Chris Hubbard in. Like, and Pittsburgh didn't really want him. And uh, Eric Cush, they only have starting because they traded for White Teller, who's the backup, late, Uh And they said that he might start this week. Like that's how not confident they are at right guard. And I believe, uh, yeah, I was going to say, I believe he was on the Bills, (laughs) who have like no starters decided because like they just got like ten new offensive linemen. So to be the bottom of that barrel and to go and get traded to the bottom of another barrel and compete for right guard for three days before they decide is not a good thing.
2: I mean, that's that's a worse offensive
0: line than the Titans right now. Yeah, I mean, the Titans are not a bad offensive line. Like, Conklin looks really good. Uh, yeah. Saffold has been an all-pro in the last two years. Like, not over the last two years, but he was all-pro in 2017, and he was great in 2018, too. Just, he like, he struggled in the preseason a little bit, like, twice. He had, like, two bad plays, like one miscommunication and one where he just didn't, you know, set his anchor. But, I mean, other than that, he's been really good in the run game. Ben Jones looks solid. Um, and now you're talking about Dennis Kelly, who we've always thought was a borderline starter anyway. Like he like could have started at right tackle when Conklin was struggling and he came in and played well. So, I mean, we've seen Dennis Kelly play good football games. We've seen him. He was the left tackle for the Green Bay game when the Titans had their best offensive day of the last like decade. So, you know, we've seen him play left tackle well before. We've seen him play it against – Deep, my you know pretty decent opponents not a preseason game or anything like that so I mean we've seen from left to right all the guys play really well except for right guard and you know their right guard is worse than the Titans right guard so uh, what, what are you gonna do
3: yeah it, it is I, I think going back to the Titans offensive line conversation that that we had with Eric you know I think it really does come down to the right guard spot for the Titans. You know, Dennis Kelly, you kind of get what you get with him. Uh, Saffold, we know what he is. I don't buy into the preseason stuff that, oh, you know, he's going to be disappointing. Ben Jones has, has always kind of been pretty solid, uh, and I think he'll be even better with improved guard play around him. And Conklin, I firmly believe, is bound for a, a major rebound this year. But that that right guard spot, it's just not good. And like I said earlier, you know, it's almost like Vrabel said, "Well, it's Pompeo for now," as if like this competition is ongoing, and that's just that's not good for continuity for for
0: anything.
2: I don't. Well, I don't even well, think it's a competition. I think once Nate Davis is ready, they're they're putting him out there. Yeah, yeah. I kind of agree with that.
0: Yeah, I mean that that's that's where i am and we've talked about that before like i think he would have taken the starting job he was the first guy the first right guard to take uh starter reps back to back and then he got hurt mm-hmm. and i think the titans just didn't think this injury would linger as long and then i think he probably could have played in the fourth preseason game i think he was suited up but he just you know they didn't want to risk him getting a few snaps for you know him to probably not start anyway so i think that's a move that gets made you know I I would say sooner rather than later if Panfield struggles at all. But, I mean, what team in the NFL has a good offensive line that has two, like, good guards? There's just – there's really not one. I I,
2: I, I was going to say that there are a lot of bad offensive linemen in the league. It's really tough to have five legitimate, like, average to above average starters. So there's always going to be at least one weak link and the the thing is you need to be able to offset that and i think the titans could especially if conklin returns to his all pro level which it looks like he will he looked fantastic in the preseason yeah, and i think if ben jones is at least serviceable or above average then i think it i think in this game panfield won't be exposed as uh, as much as he might have been maybe maybe last year if he went to slotted in
0: yeah. yeah, I mean, and, and I'll also say it should help based on the scheme. And, and I talked about that some last year, but LaFleur panicked and didn't really know what to do or how to build off of his scheme, at least definitely not until late in the year. But, I mean, this scheme should be outside zone, heavy. It should be really trying to get the linebackers to flow with the running backs, and then you should pull it and you should be on a naked bootleg. Like, if you can do that, and if your running back can read the blocks well enough, and if you're, like, play caller is skilled enough to say like, okay, now is the time to pull the trigger on this. I mean, having a slightly below average guard is not the worst thing in the world. Like, You can definitely get around that. It's when you've got to run power schemes where you've got to have a pulling guard or where you're really trying to run ISO stuff and you're having, you know, Kevin Pampfield go one-on-one with Joby or something like that. If that's the game they try to play, it, mm-hmm. it will mm-hmm. expose them. They, they, they're not prepared for that. They're not built for that. But... If you're like, okay, we're gonna run zone and get good angles on guys and then if they don't you know, if the angles aren't there, we'll just cut back and you take that, take that, take that, and then, you know, you're okay with four yards of play, and then you pull it and you get, you know, a twenty yard pass to a wide open Corey Davis, like we saw on that one preseason throw from Tannehill. Like, if you can get that, then you're good. Like you can you can score seventeen to twenty four points pretty easily with that. And I think with this defense that should be enough most weeks.
3: I think the biggest thing about the Browns' defense that stands out to me is their speed. Like, obviously, you know, Mike, Mike Miles Garrett is a uh, potential Defensive Player of the Year candidate if he, you know, takes another step forward like he did last year. You've got uh, the, the the cornerback from Ohio State uh, whose name is escaping me. At Denzel moment. Ward. D- yeah, Denzel Ward. I almost said Justin Gilbert. I don't know why he was. He he wasn't even Ohio State. He was Oklahoma, right? Or no, he wasn't yeah. Ohio State.
0: No, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. State. Yeah, the other OS. Yeah,
3: so basically I was just having amnesia for a second. You were close. Uh, but Yeah, Denzel Ward, the all-pro cornerback, uh, You know, he'll make things tough for Corey Davis. Christian Kirksey can fly around the field. Just a lot of interesting pieces, especially up front for the Browns defense.
2: They, they do have a lot of speed, and they have a lot of talent, and they – were pretty good on defense last year, but that was with Greg Williams, who's now gone. And, and then you bring in Steve Wilkes, who I like, but he's a four-three guy. So there are a lot of changes happening within the, like you know, schematic point, like the the defensive scheme. So yeah. we'll we'll see how it all kind of comes together. Uh, I I still think they're going to be a solid defense, but I think the Titans are going to be able to to move the ball just as long as that offensive line is solid at least or maybe just not catastrophic like they were in the Steelers game and the, and the Ravens game last year and if they're opening up holes in the running game then I mean the Titans will be able to move the ball pretty efficiently and maybe melt some clock and keep, and keep the ball away for, from the Browns offense
0: yeah I mean if you want to look at a good example of what Greg Williams's defense does for corners look at when he coached the Titans and 2010 I think it was when Ultron Werner uh, Mm -hmm. led the league in interceptions or was close uh, and he went to the Pro Bowl and then uh, McCourty looked great too like I mean he made those guys look great and they never had a year close to what they had after that so I mean And it makes sense. It's like all you have to do is have a guy backpedal five steps and then there should be pressure based on how many people you're bringing and then you just got to get ready to jump around. And that's that's what his defenses do. So it's not a hard day for a corner because you really don't have any of those, you know, rush three, drop eight, cover for seven seconds kind of plays. It's more just bang, bang, and then reset. So, yeah, I mean, it, it really helps. You know, if you've got a good corner who, you know, like Denzel Ward can, you know, be opportunistic and play that kind of way. But, I mean, anything that we assume is a given other than the fact that Miles Garrett's going to be great uh, with this defense is a big leap because, I mean, how many times have we seen the Titans switch defensive coordinators with what we thought was pretty decent talent on the defensive side of the ball, only for them to struggle for the first, you know, six games, eight games, first year? Uh, I mean, Dean Pease was the rare exception of that. And, Maybe Steve Wilkes is the same guy, but I, I don't get that vibe from him based off what we saw from Arizona last year.
2: Yeah, that defense was that Arizona defense was horrible.
0: Yeah, they had they had one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, and they had Patrick Peterson, and they were still terrible. It was yeah. So
2: yeah. they might they might struggle a little bit to 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 mesh together first couple if you, of weeks. Mm-hmm.
3: If you get fired after one year as a coach. <laughs> Slight. Do y'all remember? This is a little bit of a non sequitur. Jim Tom Shula. Oh, oh yes.
2: Yeah. The one Niners University guy. That never
3: yes. made sense to me. Yeah. I know that's very random, but like on the subject of coaches that got fired after one year.
2: Yeah. Re- remember last year or like the year before, the offseason before when I was campaigning for Steve Wilkes to come to the Titans? Yes. Yeah. That was
0: cool. And I remember every time I was like, ah, like not not to you specifically, <laughs> but when I was like, I don't know if I like Steve Wilkes. Like, I really want one of these offensive-minded guys, and people were like, "You're just a racist." And I'm like, "No, I just think <laughs> the NFL is more towards offense now. Like, I think well, offensive I, coaches I, have better success."
3: I wanted him to hire my, my Matt Lafleur as head coach. Oh yeah. So I I kind of got a compromise, I suppose. Um, <laughs> yep. For a year. Uh, yeah. Just. Coach hirings are, are interesting processes these days. I'll
0: tell you oh. what, they made the right decision. Yeah, Vrabel's a stud. I'm Vrabel. Oh, yeah. awesome.
3: Before we get into our final segment, which is Stop the Nonsense, where we read terrible takes on the Titans, uh, we will share with you my interview with A.J. Brown from After Monday's practice. He talked about his body composition and what he's most looking forward to about playing his first NFL game. So, so, what do you think you're looking forward to most about your first NFL game coming up this week?
1: Uh, me personally, it's just, it'll be just playing fast and just knowing my assignment, and just just being aggressive.
3: What, what kind of challenges do you think this Browns defense presents?
1: <laughs> um, they got some great defense. They got a great defense. Um, with us with us being wideouts, man, it'll be just getting our route just quicker because of they got guys the pass rush so so. So good. So you just gotta get in my right cooler and just play ball faster. Frable's always talking
3: about how the most important relationship on a field is quarterback and to receiver. Team, yes. Take me through how that's going with you and Marcus. Are you on the same page? Is it getting there? Is it a process?
1: Um, I, I I still think it's definitely a process. Uh, it's like a in the game type situation. Mm-hmm. So uh, just being on the same page with him, communicating with him, just. And uh, he's just thinking what you're thinking. So uh, it's, it's definitely still a process, though.
3: You've been back from the injury for a few weeks now. What do you think you've gotten out of these few weeks of practice and just working with the team after having sat out for a couple weeks?
1: Um, I'd definitely say it would be my, my confidence. just me just me just being, like I said, confident in, in whatever whatever I, whatever I do. Mm-hmm. Um, just playing fast and just knowing my assignment and just getting the job done, regardless of who's out there in front of me. It doesn't matter. So...
3: I know that going back to your college career, you like to watch film of NFL receivers to to get yourself better. Is Odell one of those guys?
1: Um, Odell, Odell's Odell one of those guys. Uh, he's a, he, he's a great talent himself. Uh, he, him and Jarvis Landry, I like their play style and, and they're, they're explosive you let them be. So
3: you're not going to have to defend them. But what do you think about that Browns offense? A couple of SEC guys and Chubb and Beckham, and then you got Baker Mayfield.
1: Well, it's definitely going to be a uh, a good game. A uh, very competitive game. Uh, they're 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 good on that side, they got some great receivers on we got great cornerbacks, so it's gonna be gonna go head to head.
3: A lot of Titans fans like to say, Oh, you know, the national media never talks about our team. Mm-hmm. Is it real that, you know, you, you guys thrive off of the lack of attention or is it just something you ignore?
1: Uh I really don't get into none of that. I don't know about none of that. So I just got here so I don't really know. So
3: what do you think is, is Maybe the biggest thing you've already improved with your game or you've already gotten acclimated about the NFL since joining the team back in May.
1: Um, I keep preaching on just playing faster, and, and I would say the most I have improved on is just playing faster. Uh, like I said, just get into my routes, and I, I just want to get into my routes even quicker, you know.
3: When, when those pictures of you and DK went out on Twitter during the draft process, there was a lot of criticism about your body composition. Oh, he's too big. You won't be able to run fast. Take me through that. You know, What do you think about your body composition? What was the goal behind that, and, and why do you think it helps?
1: Um, I just started eating more leaner. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, to people that saying I'm too big and I can't run routes, I mean, tell them to come out here and cover me. <laughs> but uh, I feel better. Uh, I can take take hits, so I mean, I'm comfortable with it. So I mean, I don't, I don't really care what anybody got to say about that.
3: Do, do you thrive from proving doubters wrong? Because I know some people are motivated by that. Some people aren't.
1: I'm really, I'm really not. Because I mean, that's not why I play the game. I play the game because I love the game. So. I'm not about to focus on proving somebody wrong because they don't even matter. So,
3: what's your favorite part? Do you think about playing football? You, you say you love the game. Oh,
1: definitely, definitely the process. You know, uh, definitely the process. Me coming to practice and doing it all over again and you get to the, get to the game, man, just feels surreal. You know, so this is why you play the game. You know, to make plays on Sunday and do this.
3: So, first NFL game on Sunday, you'll hear the flyover. You know, you'll hear the national anthem. What, what kind of emotions maybe do you expect when all that's going on?
1: Uh, I'm gonna be calm. I'm going to be calm and just. I'm gonna be focusing and just. Just trying to just get ready to make plays, man. Uh, it's gonna be a long physical game, so I gotta be physical and make plays.
3: If you can give me one key to the Tennessee Titans being one and zero a week from now, what do you think that is? Um.
1: <laughs> that's a good. That's a good one. Yeah. I can't even tell who said that. And he'll say it's scoring more points than the other team. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna go with that. Okay. Appreciate it, AJ. Yeah, Thank appreciate you. you. <laughs> All right, we
3: appreciate AJ giving us the time after practice on Monday. And now we're going to hop into how we close the show every single week, and that is with our Stop the Nonsense segment. If you have a recommendation for this segment, we, we, we've been getting them a lot now, recommendations. Uh, use hashtag Stop the Nonsense. Send it to us on Twitter. We'll take a look at it. Mine this week comes from Facebook, and it and it's the cesspool Facebook is, of bad sports takes. This is from a Titans fan, presumably, named named Andrew Runkles. He says this. Hear me out, guys. Mariota and Taewon Taylor to the Dolphins for, here we go, Malerami Tunsil, Kiko Alonso, Kenny Stills, and a second or third round draft pick. Makes both teams worlds better and we just stick it out with Tannehill for a year. Sounds good to me, guys.
2: Yeah.
0: I mean, no, it sounds good to me, too, yeah. I, I didn't know you could just, like, <laughs> pick any take that anybody had. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, this person is obviously tweeting from Insanity and Salem Asylum. Like, what an, what an insane string of words to get. It's like they had a player generator, and they were like, click, 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 send. And they just sit like – it's such a weird – group. like, they don't need another linebacker. They don't need a left tackle. Like, I guess Especially he's not Kiko Alonso,
3: forward. who yeah. unbelievably has now been traded for twice in the last five years.
0: Yeah, I mean – uh, I'm sure there's some NBA equivalent guy that always gets thrown into trades. Uh like, just, it's like here, it's you, like can just have, you can thing. just have Kiko. Yeah, it's like, it's like, do y'all want him for like a late second in 14 years? It's like, okay, well, we'll do that. I mean, it's –
3: why would know, the I mean. Dolphins give up Tunsil, Kiko, Alonzo, Stills, and a second or third round pick for Mariota and Taewon? It's bad. Well, I
0: mean, it's really a, like a Mariota trade for all those guys, and Taewon Taylor also thrown in. And, I, like, obviously that's not nearly enough for Mariota. Like, you would have to be crazy to not give – I mean – I know the Texans value Tunsil as, like, 14 first-round draft picks, but, like, you don't give a quarterback who is winning you games actively to another team for any reason, especially not for a bunch of, like, a garbage-pail kid, like, collection of bad offensive talent.
3: All right, Matias.
0: So, mine is not about the Titans,
2: but it's about the Titans' week one opponent, kind of. So, Doug Farrar, who I follow and usually has very level-headed takes and tweets, he recently uh, quote-tweeted a what's-your-bold-NFL-prediction-for-the-season tweet, and he said that Baker Mayfield will become the fourth quarterback to throw 50 touchdown passes in a season and the second to do it in his second NFL season. So I think the hype has gotten a little out of hand, man, and I don't think that's going to happen. I don't even think it's going to be close. He had, what, 27 touchdowns last year in in 13 games started, 14 14 games played. And sure, you could point to to maybe the the pace he was on after Hugh Jackson got fired, but it really it wasn't great. I mean, he had like 19 touchdown passes over the, the second half of the season. If you extrapolate that to a full season, that's what – 38 touchdowns, okay, that's still 12 touchdowns behind 50, and I just think it's ridiculous, and I really hope, especially, did you guys see him in the preseason game against the Buccaneers? Not like, great. He was awful.
0: Not
1: he great. He was awful, and he
2: also <laughs> threw a bunch of interceptions last year, so I, I think the hype has gotten a little out of hand, man, and I would love to see the Titans come in in week one and kind of you know, make them look like... A legitimate sophomore
0: yeah I mean that's good um so I did have this uh take about uh Taewon Taylor giving up information on the Titans and how that's ridiculous and you know I I'm just I'm just not gonna beat that dead horse just I feel bad doing it so uh my stop the nonsense is uh Eric Galko who is the I believe the XFL's director of player personnel and uh, he's the head of Optimum Scouting, like a really like well-respected guy. Um, somebody asked today for bold NFL predictions. And his NFL prediction was Kyler Murray will be Rookie of the Year. Okay, it's not that crazy, even though he's looked terrible. And the second best quarterback in fantasy football, which is really crazy. And then and lead the Cardinals to seven or more wins. Mm-hmm. All right, <laughs> Let, let's talk about. Any of these things. First of all, Kyler Murray uh, to win Rookie of the Year is tough. He'll win win Rookie of the Year. No. I I mean, here's the thing. It's because he's going to play every single
2: game. That's why.
0: I mean, uh, well, okay, let me go to my last point first then. I'll be surprised if the Cardinals win three games this year, much less seven. Like, they have a terrible offensive line, a quarterback who in the preseason has looked like the worst versions of Lamar Jackson – but he's not going to get the extra three months to develop. He's 5'11". He's not outrunning people. Uh, I mean, he look he looks out of place. He looks like the guy who plays on the third string in your preseason games. So you're like, oh, that guy's fun. Like I hope he makes the roster. He does not look like a first overall pick. So to assume he's going to lead him to anything is a big leap. Seven wins is basically saying he's going to do what Baker did last year, which – is also a big leap. And to be the second-best fantasy quarterback, he's going to be better than Drew Brees. He's going to be better than Patrick Mahomes. He's going to be better than, you know, Watson, dude. Watson's going to put out
2: numbers.
0: Yeah, like, all these guys who are going to throw volume, he's going to be better than all of them but one, which I'm assuming is going to be Mahomes. So, I I mean, if if he finishes the season with above 55% completion and, like, after playing 16 games i would be shocked i think we're a lot closer to realizing that it's time to either like change quarterbacks or to think about somebody other than cliff kingsbury like they're more likely to go one and done with a head coach twice in a row in my opinion than to win seven games
2: before at- we before we finish let me just give a shout out to uh, at King 30 who sent us a uh uh, a suggestion for the Stop the Nonsense. It was just Colin Cowherd doing his power rankings, and he had the Texans at number six overall. Mm. The Texans are not good. Sorry. They're yeah, they, not might
0: gonna... draft, they might draft six overall if they had their first-round pick next year. <laughs> the,
3: the AFC South is, is up for grabs. I mean, it, it's not that the Titans are going to run away with it. I don't know that anyone will. It's going to be, I think, down
2: to the wire. Oh, also, someone on NFL Live today, I think he was a former coach, Said the Jaguars were making the Super Bowl.
0: Gosh. So I don't know, man. I don't know who it was. Two of their wide receivers. The three teams: uh, DD Westbrook and nobody else. Also, yeah. uh, real quick, yeah. let, me tell, let me tell you all this because I looked it up today. Nick Foles with Chip Kelly had 46 touchdowns and 17 interceptions. Great. With Doug Peterson, 12 touchdowns and six interceptions okay two to one still pretty solid without those two he has 10 touchdowns and 10 interceptions in two years i mean th- those he are the offensive coordinator
3: numbers. in st louis john
2: oh sorry i thought you were going to say in Jackson.
0: oh who was it or who yeah when
2: Foles was there
0: oh i don't know i know it was uh jeff fisher right sure. so so it was jeff fisher's run heavy offense
3: Well, that's going to do it for us. Uh, Enjoy the Titans game. They play on Sunday. It's going to be fun to watch them play again with the starters for the entire game. We'll be back next week to recap that game and look ahead to week two against the Colts, which will be the home opener. Until then, for Matias and Will, I am Luke. We'll see you guys next time. And I'm going to remind you and everyone else in the sports world to stop the nonsense.
1: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.